Okay, whoever you are, wherever you are, let's get ready to go for a wild, a weird, and a little bit of a wacky ride today into the cutting edge world of creativity and innovation. Now this ain't your mama's science, folks. We are talking about brain regions, neurotransmitters, and dendritic spines. But don't worry, we're gonna keep it accessible. We're gonna keep it a little bit simple. And we are going to delve into the mysteries of the default mode network and how it can help you to tap into your inner muse. We're also gonna be exploring the importance of belonging and safety and collaboration and diversity for unleashing creative potential. So buckle up, strap yourselves in, because it's going to be a wild ride and we're going to get a little bit creative. Let's do it. Okay, now here's the thing, right? For years and years and years and years and years and years, we've all been fed the same lie that creativity is all about being right-brained. It's all for those right-brained people, the poets, the painters, the musicians, all of the artists, these all of these people who seem to live in a world of their own making. But the truth is, creativity, it's not just right-brained, it's a whole brain activity. Hold <laughs> on, sounds, like sounds like I'm selling cereal. Now, this is, this is a process that requires the integration of multiple brain regions and they all need to be working together in harmony for what we call the neural creative process. Now you've got the prefrontal cortex, you've got your temporal lobes, you've got the basal ganglia, all of these things are firing in unison like a well-oiled machine. But then you go a little bit deeper, you've got the neurotransmitters, you've got dopamine, you've got norepinephrine, you've got acetylcholine, and all of these play a critical role in enhancing cognitive flexibility and motivation. And we need these to get that, that neural creative process firing. And without them, our creativity, it just, it just hits a brick wall, it just goes flat, it goes limp, and we can't do much with it, no matter how much we try. And here's the real kicker, right? Chronic stress really, really gets in the way of our creative mojo. And that's because stress can reduce the density of dendritic spines in the prefrontal cortex. And we need those. We need those to be nice and thick because these are like tiny branches that help our neurons communicate with each other. And they are what allow us to form new connections. And really that's what creativity is. It's forming these new neural pathways, allowing us to think about things in a different way and to solve problems in new, novel, unique ways. So without these spines, our brains become really rigid and really inflexible. It's kind of like if you have a, a garden, but every single plant is planted in, in its own pot. You know, they, they might be okay in its own little spot, but they can't reach each other. They can't connect. They can't cross-pollinate. So you just end up having the same ideas, the same thoughts, the same plants are growing without any change to it. So what's the solution, right? How can we unleash this inner creative beasts and solve all of our problems and take the world by storm? Well... It's all about finding, first up, the right neurochemistry to actually light your brain on fire. And that means taking care of yourself, both physically and mentally. You have to learn to manage your stress, whether that's through meditation, exercise, or just good old-fashioned screaming and yelling, just letting it out. You've got to nourish your brain with the right nutrients, with the right food. You know, a lot of what comes through through creativity, the, the soup that we need to be able to make this comes from our food. We need to be eating foods that are rich in things like omega-3 fatty acids and antioxidants. And we also need to give ourselves plenty of rest and plenty of relaxation to recharge those batteries. And most importantly, 
We actually need to believe in ourselves and our ability to create something truly amazing, whether it's a painting, a poem, a song, or, or even a damn PowerPoint presentation, right? You need to actually have that goal in mind so that you can find different ways to go out and achieve it. But don't just take my word for it, for it right? This has been a, a discussion for a long, long time. And the 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 I think it was a German philosopher, Friedrich Nietzsche, he once said, you must have chaos within you to give birth to a dancing star. And let me tell you, folks, ain't nothing more chaotic than the human brain. So we're on to, we're off to a good start. But here's the other thing, right? Your brain doesn't really care how it gets these chemicals. And so there are ways to get these, these chemicals firing and get that right soup happening so that you can get yourself in a creative process. They're just not nearly as healthy as exercise and diet and, and sleep. And we know that it's often said that artists and creative people tend to have a tormented side. And this isn't without reason, because while things like chronic stress and anxiety are really bad for our mental and our physical health, these negative emotions actually do help to enhance creativity and this is where artists get in this loop of thinking that they need to be a little bit damaged in order to be creative now this is because stress and anxiety activate the sympathetic nervous system this leads to the release of stress hormones like cortisol and adrenaline but it also releases the, the neurotransmitters like dopamine and norepinephrine and these are the chemicals that enhance cognitive flexibility and motivation and these are the ones that can promote the formation of new neural connections and ideas. So keeping yourself in this anxious state, it does work. It's not sustainable. It's not as healthy. It's not as powerful as doing it the right way. But it is a way to get those chemicals firing. And it is a way to get yourself in this creative process. The problem is when we take that approach, we allow chronic stress to feed into our lives. And this is where we reduce the density of those dendritic spines. And that's, we need those for ongoing plasticity and ongoing adaptive behavior. So ultimately, this is why artists can burn out because these can lead to us ultimately impairing our creativity and our con cognitive function. So if you are an artist and you are trying to fuel your creativity through emotions that are negative and stressful, try and find a way to balance that out with, with healthy ways to manage your stress and your anxiety. Because if you can flick that switch, that's where you can get the same results, actually probably better results, because now we're doing it in a healthy way. We're doing it in a sustainable way that is only having positive results and, and not negative results. And those chemicals are things like dopamine and norepinephrine and serotonin and acetylcholine, oxytocin, glutamate, and they're coming from social connection. They're coming from food, diet, exercise. So there are definitely ways to, to get them back. Now, let's assume that we've got all of the right stuff there and we're still not getting that breakthrough. Well, sometimes we can come at things from too much of a conscious level. Some of the best problem solving comes from uh, our subconscious and our subconscious lets things rattle around in there. It forms new neural connections and literally what those new neural connections are doing is giving you a different perspective, giving you a new way to look at the same problems. And that's what we try and promote a lot. And the way that we do that is through engaging something called the default mode network. And the default mode network is a group of brain regions that are active.
active when your mind is at rest. So classic one here is when you sleep or when you meditate. And it's responsible for your internal thought processes like daydreaming and also creative thinking. And so what does this mean? Well, this means that your brain's downtime could actually be the key to unlocking your creativity. Now, why is this? Well, you can actually leverage your, your default mode network to facilitate creativity by giving yourself some space and some time and permission as well to allow these new neural connections to form. Don't just bang your head up against a brick wall and say, why aren't I figuring this out? Give yourself a chance to be in a relaxed state because when you are in that relaxed state, this is when your brains are more receptive to new ideas and they can make new connections between uh, unconnected or disparate thoughts. It's basically like, think of it like this, your default mode network is, it's recess basically. It's it's the mental playground. Everybody's out there, they're on the swings, they're going down the slide, they're running around to playing tag. We're letting our minds wander, we're letting them play. And what happens when we play? We make new discoveries, we explore new territories. It's the same for your brain. Your brain is exploring new territories of thought. It's making new friends, it's making new connections out there in the playground. But here's the thing, you can't have recess all the time. If we had recess all the time, we wouldn't actually learn anything. If there's too much activity in your default mode network, this is where we can lead to excessive self-reflection and rumination. And this is counterproductive for creativity. This is when you let your brain get stuck in a feedback loop and you're unable to break free from your own thoughts. So you need to strike a balance between letting your mind wander and staying focused on your creative goals. Notice the last word there, creative goals. Ooh, interesting choice of words, Dave. This is the key. The answer lies in the power of intention. Doesn't matter whether you're going into it on a conscious level or trying to activate that default mode network in a more subconscious way. You need to set a clear intention for your creative endeavors so that you can direct your default mode network's activity towards solving a specific goal or a specific problem. So this is like programming your brain to focus on a particular problem or, or an idea, but you're still allowing for those serendipitous connections to form uh, to form new ways to solve this problem and that comes from a relaxed state of mind so if you want a quick way to do this you can do this at your desk you know I know people that do this overnight when they sleep and I think that's a fantastic way to do it um, there's other ways that you can trick yourself to get into this really quickly as well but if you're at your desk and you're thinking how do I do this at work just sit at your desk close your eyes and just let your mind drift great ways to focus on your breathing and go into that with the intention of what you want to figure out what you want to think about and at first, you, you're going to find it hard to really quiet the noise in your head. It's not even about quieting the noise in your head. It's about trying to get yourself into that state of just drifting. And, and when you start thinking about all of the things that you do and the deadlines that are coming up and why am I sitting at my desk with my eyes closed breathing, people are looking at me weird, take a few deep breaths and just get back to that intention, that intention to generate new ideas, to figure out the problem, to solve it, and then let it drift away. Right. What will happen is your mind is going to start to make unexpected connections. And you can do this. Actually, you can do this walking. If you're not a sit at your desk and breathe type of a person, go for a walk and let your mind drift as well. Because what will happen is you will start to incorporate 
different ideas into into your story, into what you're trying to solve. You're going to remember things from the past that are going to make sense. You're going to be like, oh, if this is that and that is this and maybe this is, wow, I figured it out. Your brain is like this giant spider web and you'll start to see all of the connections between the different threads for the first time. Now, this is just the first step, right? Having Everybody has ideas. You actually need to put them into action. So after you come out of that, whatever it is, just start to write stuff. Or if you're not a writer, hit record on your phone and record a voice message, right? Either one of these, it's now time to get yourself into a bit of a flow and to allow that to carry yourself through so that you can just word vomit onto a piece of paper or onto a voice note until all of it comes out and you feel like you're done. And then have another go. Give it another go. See what else comes in, right? This is basically like your your mental roadmap. And once you get it all out, you can then look at it. And now your mind's going to be a little bit clearer. You've formed some of those connections. So they're still there. They're not going anywhere just yet. And then the ideas that you've generated will give you a clear idea on how you're going to solve it. If you've gone into that with the right or intention, right? Your brain's already done all of the hard work. So now all you need to do is to, to put it into words and get it to make sense. So creativity, it's not just about inspiration. It's also about intention, right? It's about having the right stuff at the right at the start, getting yourself in that right state and having a clear intention and and going into activating that default moat network for your creative endeavors to create these new ideas and to put them into action. Hack your brain, work smarter, don't work harder, right? Now, this is um, all really great. So we've talked about the, the chemicals that we need. We've talked about the stuff that we need inside us. We've talked about how we can sort of trigger it. What if it's still not working? Or what if we need to do this in a more social environment? Or what if we're trying to do this for other people and we're leading these people and we're trying to inspire or trigger creativity and innovation? Well, in that case, there's a few things that you need to do. And the first thing is you need to create an environment of, uh, well, really, really four things, right? Belonging, safety, collaboration, and diversity. These are all really key in fostering connection. And when we talk about uh, where do we start, well, we start with connection. And I don't mean just go and hit up your old buddies from school and be like, hey, man, you, what are you up to? Let's go grab a beer. No, I mean, hey, that's not a bad idea. Do that for sure. But I'm talking about the stuff that makes us human, right? Empathy, trust, collaboration, true, genuine connection with those people around you. And all of this is linked to that hormone that we know and love, oxytocin. When we feel connected to other people, our brains release oxytocin. And that is like liquid gold for creativity. This is what promotes trust. It promotes empathy and it promotes a willingness to work together. And that allows us to create this environment where we're happy to be innovative and fail and, and look a little bit silly as well. So if you're looking for innovation in the workplace, start out by building those connections. But here's the thing. We can't build connection if we're too busy freaking out all of the time, if we're too stressed, if we're too anxious. And when we're in these environments that create fear and anxiety, this activates the amygdala, that fight or flight reflex. And when that happens, all of our cognitive functions, they just boom, out the window, gone, forget about it. It actually short circuits a lot of things in our prefrontal cortex, and we just can't think in the way that we need to think. And it reverts our thinking back to lesser evolved structures, which are really these fight or flight or, or fight type of reflexes. So if you're trying to innovate, 
we need to you need to feel safe. You you got to feel like you're not get, going to get eaten alive by a crocodile or, or even a, a corporate monster, corporate boss hiding around the corner waiting to be like, "Are you working? Are you working?" And look, something that can help this is funnily enough, diversity, right? When you surround your peop- yourself with people who are all thinking the same way, they look the same, they agree, we all laugh at the same things, you're setting yourself up, you're setting your future up for failure because you are eventually going to get stuck in a rut. You're not going to be able to see beyond your own perspective, right? And and that's not conducive for long-term success in any, any industry, in any arena. So when you bring in people from different backgrounds with different experiences and different ways of thinking, you open yourself up to a whole new world of possibilities. And essentially, that's what creativity and innovation is. It is about opening yourself to a whole new world of possibilities and a whole new way of doing things. And I know what you're thinking, but Dave... That, that, that's all really hard. That's all really hard stuff. I've got to connect with people. I've got to create a diverse team. I've got to trust them. I've got to do all of this. And you're right, it is hard. But that's why innovation is hard. That's why innovation is uh, is the, the ruler of the world. I remember when I started at uni, the, the, the catchphrase of the time was innovate or evaporate. If it was easy, everybody is going to do it, right? If Everybody, and and this is where you can set yourself away from the crowd as well, because if you can learn how to innovate, if you can learn how to be creative in the workplace, this is where you stay ahead of everybody. This is where you solve problems in different ways. And and it it was Ford that said, if I'd asked customers what they wanted, they, and this was when he created the automobile, if I'd asked customers what they wanted, they would have said faster horses. We can't always solve our problems in the way that our customers want. That's not our job. Our job is to solve our problems for our employees' work environment, for our customers in ways that they are not thinking about. They are coming to us for better solutions, not just iterations of the same solution, but better solutions. And this comes down to innovation happening in two key ways, either through incremental innovation, which means it's happening bit by bit by bit, or radical in, in innovation, which means that we're taking massive lump, lump massive leaps and massive bounds. Um, and we're going from one place into a totally different and a totally new place. And an incremental uh innovation, these are the things that happen every single day when we make a process a little bit better. So I'm not saying don't try and make these tiny little tweaks, definitely, but balance it out with some of those big steps and some with some of those big leaps. Because if we don't, you know, you're not going to get anywhere. You're going to keep going around and around and around. You're going to be stuck with the same old problems, the same old issues, the same old BS. And I'm, that's not that's not a way that I want to live my life. I don't think it's a way that you want to live your life. And how many times have you spoken to people and they're still dealing with the same problems from three or four or five years ago because they haven't actually taken the time to solve it? Well, that is all that we have time for today. Having a look at how our brains work and how we can optimize our thinking to come up with new ideas and new solutions. Now, by understanding the importance of brain chemistry, our default mode network, and social factors like belonging, safety, collaboration, and diversity, we can create an environment that fosters creativity and innovation. But with any field, there are also limitations and there are challenges that need to be addressed. Chronic stress and excessive self-reflection can hinder creativity, and there is still a lot that we don't know about how the brain works. 
So remember, the creative process, it's often messy, it's often unpredictable, and it can be frustrating to come up with new ideas. Just don't fall into that trap where you're using negative effects like anxiety and frustration and stress to release those hormones that we need for creativity because while that will work, it won't work forever and it won't put you in a great state. Now, we know that creativity and innovation are essential for long-term progress, so embrace the messiness, embrace the unpredictability of the creative process, and start leveraging the power of your brain and of social connections so that you can keep pushing boundaries, keep taking risks, and keep coming up with better ways of doing things. So until next time, keep learning, keep exploring, and most importantly, keep that prefrontal cortex firing. Bye now.